Greetings. You're listening to the 33rd episode of the ABF Journal podcast. I'm Phil Neifer, Managing Editor of ABF Journal. Dwayne Heshock of Main Street Capital stopped by for this week's episode to discuss how private equity and private debt are being put to work during the first half of 2021. He also shared some insights on the M&A landscape and contextualized what it all means for commercial lenders. Let's get to the call. Hi, Dwayne. How are you doing today? I'm great. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for jumping on with us today. Um, Before we jump into the topic at hand, um, because I know we're going to dive into a few different things, um, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about your own background and about Main Street Capital for for our listeners who might not not know you. Sure, I'm I'm happy to do that. You know, for for me personally, uh, from a background standpoint, I'm a CPA by you know by background and training. Um, You know, out of school, I started off at a public accounting firm you know here in Houston and. While in public accounting, I was very fortunate that I was able to work with a wide variety of what I would define as basic industry type companies, a lot of the same types of companies that we invest in you know, here at Main Street. Um, and not only was I fortunate enough to get to work with those types of companies, a lot of those companies were either acquisitive or they were you know, potentially targets for other companies that were in the, the uh, acquisitive mode. So got to see you know, a lot of the acquisition activity and got exposure to that at an at a early, early stage in my career. Um, after spending about five years in public accounting, I had the the uh, fortunate opportunity to join a local Houston public company that you know was was a recent um, you know new public company that had just you know completed its IPO a, a couple of years prior to me joining them, and I was able to join in their mergers and acquisitions group, and you know it was a great extension for me of the background and experience I got in public accounting to move into a you know a heavy heavy you know mergers and acquisitions role and you know completed a you know significant number of transactions for that company over a couple of years and just really continued to uh, you know get great experience and get you know even more direct exposure to the you know, to the M&A world and really that just continued to you know, to grow my interest uh, you know kind of in principal investing activities and was you know after spending about three years in that role, um, you know, had the fortunate opportunity to to uh, to join Main Street early on in our our uh, you know kind of our our current investment strategy back in 2002, and at that time, uh, Main Street had raised its its uh, first um, SBIC or Small Business Investment Company license, and we were focused on. Uh, you know, the, the current strategy we have in our lower middle market strategy of investing in, you know, privately owned businesses, typically owned by, you know, one individual or you know, a couple of individuals or a family, um, and really provide, you know, highly customized solutions for whatever that, you know, that group of investors needs, you know, in, it, in its business. So I, you know, joined Main Street in 2002 as a, a managing director on the investment side. And then over time, um, as we continue to grow here at Main Street, we went public in 2007. Um, after going public, in addition to you know, continuing to be active on uh, the number of investment activities, I also took on uh, different corporate responsibilities, first as our CFO and then eventually as president. And then back in 2018, you know, took my current role um, as CEO of Main Street. So that's, you know, that's the, the personal side for me. Uh, when you look at Main Street at a, at a very high level, we're a publicly traded company uh, with over $4 billion of capital under management um, as a public company. Uh, we're classified as a business development company or a BDC, so you may be familiar with those types of companies. They're they're frequently going to be investors in private businesses um, across a couple of different strategies. In, in our case at Main Street, what really makes us different is that from an investment strategy standpoint, our primary focus is on what we define as the lower middle market. So these would be companies that are, again, going to be um, you know, predominantly owned by individuals prior to Main Street getting involved. 
um, and they're typically going to be smaller than you know a lot of other traditional private equity or even the other you know BDCs or business development companies would invest in. So from a size standpoint, you're typically looking at companies that are you know three million to twenty million of EBITDA. And our goal at Main Street is really to come in and uh, you know provide a you know whatever highly customized solution those companies need, uh, whether it be you know kind of debt heavy or equity heavy. Um, but in, in all situations, we typically are going to be you know the, the first institutional investor. And we're going to be providing a combination of debt and equity as, as part of our investment strategy in the in these lower middle market companies. Right, and as a company that provides uh, both private debt and private equity, have you seen any changes in recent years in the appetite for the two types of um, those two types of solutions within the middle market? Has there like been a change in ratio of the amount of debt versus equity, and has any of that changed uh, even more during the pandemic? Yeah, so so I mentioned earlier at Main Street, I really touched on our you know kind of our, our private equity or you know I define it as our lower middle market strategy. Um, you know we we do participate you know as as you noted there both in the private debt and private equity you know, financing areas. Um, and when I look at those two, you know I, I would you know kind of you know, give you commentary on on both of them you know independently on on the private debt side. Um, you know, for, for us and what most private debt funds are, are doing is they're participating as direct lenders, you know, to private companies that are owned by other private equity firms. So they're supporting a you know, private equity firm either in its initial acquisition of a, of a portfolio company or in some other, you know, growth activities that that portfolio company might have. Uh, what we've seen in the private debt world and this is not a you know a recent you know kind of change over the last year. It's really happened over the last you know three to five years. Is significant growth um, in the use of these private you know loan or private debt solutions by private equity firms to finance the the debt capital portion of their transactions. I mean, if you look back further, you know maybe five seven years or longer, a lot of that debt capital would have been either provided by commercial banks if it was the you know the very top part of the capital structure or more of a you know middle market you know, syndicated loan solution and i think that over the last 3 to 5 years you know as an industry you've seen a significant amount of growth of private equity firms using these direct lenders or, or private debt funds to provide their senior financing for their transactions and on the main street side you know we we saw that you know that trend emerging a number of years ago so if you looked at our investment strategy in our portfolio you would have likewise seen significant growth in our focus on those private you know, debt opportunities and in our you know our private debt group, which is a, a you know a distinct kind of separate investment group within Main Street, you know, has seen significant growth you know alongside what you've been seeing from a you know from an industry standpoint. You know, we we think that you know that has been something that's been taking place for a couple of years, and we expect that trend to continue as we look forward to you know, to 2021 and beyond. Um, on the private equity side, which again we we define that as really our, our lower middle market investment strategy. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that there's been a you know, significant amount of changes for us um, in that strategy. You know, our approach you know, has been and continues to be, um, you know, the desire to be a, a solution, you know, highly customized solution for private businesses and really for their, you know, for their owners and management teams uh, with the goal to, you know, to come in and, and be their partner, you know, both for the, the short term needs that they have, but also uh, to really provide them an opportunity to access a long term to permanent investor. Uh, you know, we think that's something that, you know, at least for us and the companies that we've invested in, um, you know, has been a good solution for a, you know, for a long period of time. We, you know, we've been doing this now for almost two decades, so it's it's something that we viewed as a very good solution for a lot of private companies 
um, over that you know that time period, and I, I do think it continues to be a very good solution. And when we look at you know the impacts of the pandemic on you know some of these privately owned you know smaller businesses that fit that you know three million to, to twenty million dollars of EBITDA um, you know size range, you know we we think that. Our solution, you know, which, which is a, a, a solution that can do a lot of different things from an initial transaction standpoint, you know, should be something that is even higher demand um, as you know, individual companies and their, their owners and management teams, you know, look back on what happened you know, during the pandemic and, you know, hopefully you'll find a, a good opportunity or a desire to have a, a new investor come on. And we think Main Street uh, you know, is uniquely positioned to provide a very, very good solution for those companies. And you mentioned uh your portfolio a little bit ago and uh, in kind of doing some research for this interview I was able to kind of look in and get a bit of a feel for your portfolio which is pretty diversified in, in the terms of in types of industries you guys cover are there certain industries that you've been a little bit more focused on during the first quarter of this year and if if so can you tell me why yeah I, I wouldn't say that there's a, a difference or a change in the you know the, the types of companies or the industries that you know, we're focused on, you know, here in the first quarter or, or even for, you know, for 2020, if you look back over a longer period of time. And I would say that, you know, the real reason for that is just like any other investment firm, you know, we, we find a, a, a significant amount of, you know, benefits or positives from maintaining a, you know, very diversified portfolio. And as you, you mentioned earlier, you know, we do have a, you know, very diversified portfolio. If you looked at our ex existing investment portfolio today, but when we're looking at a new investment opportunity, you know, we're much more focused on trying to understand, you know, what the individual, you know, owners and the management team, you know, what those individuals are trying to achieve from a transaction standpoint. That's really the, the starting point for us when we're evaluating opportunities. And, you know, the industry that those companies operate in, you know, ends up being a, a big part of the underwriting process. But, it, you know, it's secondary to, you know, really understanding the situation, you know, what, what are the transaction needs and goals of those individuals and then trying to see if it's a scenario where Main Street with our combined you know, debt and equity strategy and the, you know, the equity strategy being one where we can be you know, a significant minority investor, we can also be a majority really trying to customize a solution to fit the needs of the company. You know, our, our goal in underwriting is really to understand you know, what the needs and desires of the company and those individuals are, and then trying to make sure that Main Street can provide a, a good solution. Yeah, after we get through that process, then, you know, then industry becomes uh, you know, very important is something, you know, we would, you know, focus on from a underwriting standpoint, just like any other investor would. Uh, but it's, you know, but it's definitely, you know, secondary to that, you know, to that transaction, you know, fit as the, as the first, uh, you know, kind of you know, screening process or underwriting requirement. Uh, when you look at industries, you know, I, I don't think this will be a big surprise for you. I think you probably hear this from anyone that's in the, you know, the investment world. I think when you look at, you know, the impacts of the pandemic, I do think that, you know, the pandemic has likely, you know, uh, impacted you know, certain industries more than others. And for some of those impacts, it's probably going to be a longer, you know, lasting and potentially a, a permanent impact. So I think you'd see us, you know, and we've been maintaining this approach for a couple of years, you, you would see a shy away from, you know, certain industries. And that would include, you know, bricks and mortar retail, restaurants, you know, oil and gas, your related businesses. Again, I don't, I don't think any of that's probably a surprise to, to you or anyone else that might be, uh, you know, joining us for the podcast. But I think it's, you know, that's, yeah, that's a, a consistent you know, approach from an industry standpoint to what we've been maintaining for the last couple of years. Right. And yeah, jumped right ahead to my next question, which was going to be, are there industries that you are shying away from? So I'll just move on to, to the next part of, has the, the investment process or the process you guys undergo changed at all in the last year or has it evolved? Um, and do you can, can expect it to continue to evolve, um, whether that's in 
how you guys are developing business, how you're underwriting, anything like that? Yeah, I would I would say when you look at our you know our investment processes and the impact that you know, that we've experienced as a result of the pandemic, um, yeah, I'd say the biggest impact you know has been you know, the limitations that that we've had to operate under from a travel standpoint. You know, we we are really focused on you know building you know personal relationships with the the management teams and the individuals that we in, invest in in these portfolio companies. And the only way you can really do that is to spend you know, as much time as possible with them, you know, both when you're, you're trying to get to an agreed upon transaction and then as you, you work through your, your due diligence or underwriting process. So as you would expect, that's been the ability to get in front of people, you know, kind of in, you know, in person, you know, face to face for your know, meetings and, and uh, you know, other you know, personal activities you know, has been very, very challenged, particularly in the, you know, the first part of, of 2020. Um, so the biggest change that we've seen is that we've had to you know, move a lot of those in-person um, activities to, to video conferences or other you know, similar types of communication. And that has been something that um, you know, has been a challenge. I think we've done a, a great job of working through that over the balance of 2020. And as I look forward, um, I still think that that personal interaction will always be a big part of what we do here at Main Street, both from an initial investment underwriting standpoint and then from a long-term relationship standpoint. But I think think the you know the tools and the ability to you know, to work you know through video conferencing and and other similar you know tools um, will continue to be a part of what we do going forward. So it should be something that you know enhances what we've done in the past as opposed to you know, being a, a replacement for. So I think that while there were challenges you know in 2020 as we worked through you know travel limitations and just the you know quarantines and other things that restricted our ability to get in front of people on a you know kind of a direct you know kind of you know, uh, basis. I do think you know those challenges will be will be a, a positive for us going forward because it you know gave us some additional tools and some flexibility that we probably had before the pandemic, but we just didn't really you know try to utilize or really tap into those until we until we had to um, you know during the you know during the pandemic. Looking at the M and A uh, side, um, have you seen a rise in divestiture, divestures and minority recapitalizations over the last few years, or even in the last year? And if so, why do you think that is? Yeah, so so maybe I'll give give you know, kind of comments at least from my view, you know, both on the industry as a whole, and then specifically you know, to Main Street. I would say that when when you look at the industry as a whole, I think if we were to go out and pull broader market information, I don't think we would see a, a distinct change. Um, you know, kind of on an industry-wide um, you know, basis or from an industry-wide standpoint. I think when you look at Main Street specifically and really, you know, focusing on our activities in 2020 and in the, the first quarter of 2021, uh, you know, we have seen, you know, some changes on our side, and it really was the change that the minority recapitalization opportunities that, you know, that we, um, you know, pursued and what we were successful in executing on, you know, did increase if you compared those transactions to the total transactions that we would have completed in the you know, two or three years prior to 2020. And I would say that um, on our side, you know, we, we expect that will continue at least for the, you know, for the balance of 2021 and potentially you know, into you know, 2022 and longer. Um, I think that you know, there's a couple of reasons why we believe that's the case. One, um, you know, when we look at our, our strategy in the lower middle market, and our ability to you know, provide customized solutions, which include both you know, debt and equity. And again, as I said earlier, on the equity side, we can be a, you know, as small a minority investor as the company you know, wants us to be. You know, that flexibility can really fit well for a 
you know, transaction where the counterparty or the portfolio company and its owners are trying to achieve a minority transaction. You know, there's a, a lot of firms that can probably do the same thing, at least on the equity side, but there's very few firms, at least that we're aware of, that you know, have the ability and more importantly, the desire to provide both debt and minority equity. So we think it can be a really good fit for, you know, for companies and individuals that are looking to complete a minority recapitalization. Um, so if you take that ability to be a good fit for those transactions and you look back at you know, what's happened you know, in 2020 with the, the COVID-19 pandemic and the kind of the, the lasting or, or long-term impacts there, we think the minority recaps will you know, be a bigger um, you know, opportunity or kind of a, a, a larger number of companies will desire that type of transaction because um, you know, they may either, you know, rightly or wrongly, have the view that if they went to sell the company today because of the lasting impacts of the pandemic, they may not fully realize the value. So as opposed to selling 100% and not feeling that they get, like they get the full valuation, they may uh, you know, still desire to transact, but they may want to keep you know, the majority of the equity. So a minority recap could be a really good fit. Um, or you know, there, we, we expect there will be another set of you know, business owners um, and management teams out there that you know, never really wanted to sell. You know, they, they likely you know, viewed that they would own the business for another you know, 10 or 20 years or whatever you know, time period they had uh, in their future outlook. But as, as you look at the impacts of the pandemic, which I think were challenging for, you know, for most business owners and most operators, you know, they look at the, the impact there and it may have caused them to, you know, to rethink their long-term goals. And while they still don't want to sell the company, you know, they, they may want to get some liquidity you know, out of their investment in the company and a, a minority recap uh, with a long-term to permanent partner like Main Street, you know, we, we think can be a very, very good solution you know, for those companies. So we're, you know, we're optimistic that you know, for the balance of this year and into the future that minority recapitalizations will be a growing you know, transaction if you look at it in comparison to the overall market going forward. And you know, as I said earlier, we think we can be a really good fit for those types of transactions. Yeah, and I'm also curious about your um, your view on how private equity dry powder is being used in the market right now. Can you tell me a little bit about that and if that's changed at all this year? And then also on top of that, um, since our audience is primarily made up of commercial lenders, can you tell me what changes in that or what that approach means for, for that sector? Yeah, if, if I was to look at private equity broadly, I, I would say that, you know, the, the types of transactions, the, you know, the types of companies that traditional private equity is is interested in pursuing and executing on, you know, I wouldn't say that there's you know been a significant change you know kind of in the current environment or over the the balance of 2020 with the impacts of the pandemic. I, I do think that transaction activity, you know, particularly in the in the depths of the pandemic, kind of in you know Q2 and Q3 of 2020 was you know was down just because there was so much uncertainty and as I said earlier, a lot of people you know couldn't travel and they were forced to quarantine, so that just naturally you know, caused activity to, you know, to slow down and decline at least on a year-over-year uh, you know, basis. But I think the, you know, the, the types of transactions and you know, where private equity, at least from our perspective, would like to deploy that capital, I wouldn't say that there's been you know, significant changes you know, in the current marketplace. Um, I do think, you know, primarily for, for the, the question you had about commercial lenders, you know, I do think that the, the private debt uh, you know, marketplace and the number of, of firms and the amount of money that is available to provide you know, direct lending or private debt solutions to those private equity firms as they look at executing on their transactions. You know, I, I think that, that there's been significant growth in that area. I think you'll continue to see you know, significant growth going forward. And I, I think that private equity investors, at least you know, some segment of, the, of that 
um, you know, that private equity universe. I think they prefer these, you know, these private lenders over commercial banks because it does give them, in most situations, more flexibility. And that flexibility could be in terms of, you know, the amount of leverage that could be available to support the transactions they're executing on, or it could just be the, you know, the nature of the investment, whether it's, you know, the, the lack or limited amounts of amortization on principal that's required, or just the, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the, the length of the term of the debt offering that's provided, you know, could be you know, more beneficial to the private equity firm. And maybe they pay a little bit of a higher cost of capital for it, but in the environment, you know, coming off the pandemic and looking at things going forward, I think some of those firms, you know, value that flexibility, um, and they're willing to pay a little bit for it. So I do think that will you know, continue to be, you know, increased competition for commercial lenders, you know, in the private equity and universe as they, as they see these private debt funds continue to fill the, you know, fill the needs that private equity firms have on the, on the debt side of things. Right. And then kind of to close things out here, and you, you hinted a bit about how you're feeling about the, the market going forward, but how optimistic are you about it for the rest of this year, both from a private debt and private equity side? Yeah, I'd say we're you know we're very optimistic. I think I you know may have mentioned some of this before, but I I think there you know there there was you know a, a decrease in activity in 2020. So I think when you you combine you know that reduced activity with you know things opening up here in 2021 and having you know the benefit you know both of that that pent up demand plus you know most people I think if they look forward uh, you know, from a general economy standpoint at, at 2021 and 22, you have the view that the economy overall, you know, here in the U.S. will be a, a pretty, you know, pretty positive or pretty favorable environment. So I think you put, you know, the, the pent-up demand from 2020 with a, you know, pretty optimistic view of the future, at least for most industries. Uh, you know, we would expect the, you know, the 2021 to be a very, very active year, you know, both for, for private equity and for private debt. And we look at, you know, things specifically on the Main Street side. And, you know, we, we're you know, e equally optimistic that our unique solutions for these, you know, lower middle market companies and the, the debt solutions we provide for, you know, traditional private equity sponsors, we think there'll be a significant amount of demand, you know, in, in 2021 and, and beyond for those services. So we're, you know, we're, we're very excited about, you know, what we think, you know, 2021 holds for the industry as a whole and specifically for us here at Main Street. Great. Well, Dwayne, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, speak with us and uh, share your insights on everything. I really appreciate it. Thank you. We, we greatly appreciate the opportunity. That will do it for this week. Thanks again to Dwayne for joining the show. And thank you for listening to the ABF Journal podcast. We'll talk again soon.